Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsavers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are wrapping up our original girls' summer with the original throne room, the original redemption, the original Ewok babies, Return of the Jedi. We love our original conclusion until... We had The Last Jedi, and then The Last Jedi became our new conclusion. Our Last Jedi is the the real conclusion. <laughs> I, I will say, like, just before we get into it, before we get into other things, like, everything in this movie, to me, was either, man, like, can you believe how good The Last Jedi was? And then, man, can you believe how dirty we were done in The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Like, out of all of the movies we watched so far, like, this one, I could, like, feel it the most. Yeah, well, I think because The Rise of Skywalker should have mirrored this film the most. Yes. Or, like, it should have, like, personally, I think it should have mirrored Return of the Jedi and Phant- and The Phantom Menace the most. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree I with that. I think that, like, the, the bookend theory of it, you know, um returning the son to the mother like yeah. that from the phantom menace closing that chapter and then also um the themes of redemption in return of the jedi like that those two things were what i wanted the rise of skywalker to hit on and it just did it <laughs> yeah like I, I was just very aware of like the the redemption of vader but then like we know later from other leia stuff that like she didn't accept him and, like, really struggled with that. And so, like, not only having the son return home, but then also this, like, acceptance of, like, you know, the darkness in your family, I think, would have been a really nice ending. But here we are. (laughs) Leia needed, you're right, that Leia needed that conclusion, that um, closure for herself, because Mm. she doesn't get closure in this movie. No, she does not. Uh, I will also say, so, like, I have gone on record saying that, like, this is one of my least favorite Star Wars movies. I actually really enjoyed watching it this time, and I think it's because, like, we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie. It is, like you said, we were talking, you said it's camp. Mm-hmm. It is, um... This is really uh, C-3PO's time to shine. (laughs) This is where Anthony Daniels' ego was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, He has such a big part in this movie, and I think he's hilarious. Like, the comedy in Mm -hmm. this movie is, like, top-tier Star Wars comedy. Um, I think that uh, Ryan Johnson even, you know, catches some inspiration from the comedy in this one for The Last Jedi. I, I, like, it's so funny to me because watching it, like, obviously The Last Jedi, like, it, it is in Strikes Back, but it is also Return of the Jedi, like, a oh, lot. Yeah. Like, it, a lot. It really grabs a lot of Return of the Jedi, which, you know... I think that's why a lot of us thought that we were going to have, you know, redeemed Ben Solo for a much greater portion of the movie. Because yes. we were like, okay, we've already reached this point in Return of the Jedi, like mirroring it, you know? Um, what happens next? What happens after Return of the Jedi? And I think a lot of us thought that uh, Tross was going to be that, that we were going to go a little bit beyond that. And Well, and I think you can also make the argument, too, like, for the other side, that, like, since Ryan Johnson had kind of run through, like, the material that we had already gotten with the originals and then J.J. Abrams, because there was that, like, feeling from, like, a lot of fans that, like, oh, like, nobody knows where to go because of how Ryan Johnson ended it or whatever. And it's, like, you could make that argument because he'd run through Return of the Jedi, so, like, We'd seen that. We didn't need to see it rehashed in another movie. But that just means that, like, you had these themes set up for it to be, like, your bookend. It wasn't going to be, like, a rehashing of a movie. It was going to be the conclusion to this entire saga. And it just -hmm. just didn't quite get there. It was almost going to be, you know, like an epilogue. Yeah. To the Skywalker saga as a whole. Like, I think we needed that. We needed that epilogue to the entire saga. Yeah, because the prequels were definitely missing 
from the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you feel the prequels the most in The Last Jedi, probably. Yeah. And I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, The Phantom Menace feeling like an a, a prologue. Yes. Because there's that big time jump. Like, we're seeing Anakin as a kid, and then all of a sudden he's an adult in Attack of the Clones. So, like, to me, it feels like a prologue, the film. So, like, making, you know, The Rise of Skywalker an epilogue would have made so much sense. It, it really it really would have. And that kind of brings me to... Um, so, we're recording this early. Like, this won't come out... Like, as of recording this, this won't come out for just a little bit. But... Uh, news-wise, for me personally, I did read Padawan, speaking of prologues, by Kirsten White. And Alex, I, you need to read this book. Okay. You will like it. it. I do actually have it. I Um, ended up, so, like, here's the thing. So, it's, like, since I'm back at school, I haven't, like, settled into my routine yet or my schedule. So, I knew I wasn't going to have time to read it, even though I had this book. So, I used an Audible credit and I listened to it. Because it's only seven hours. Mm-hmm. And it was really well done. Um, the audiobook was really good. I'm go- in the process of going back through my copy and annotating it because I, I did take some notes, like, on my phone. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you were there when we talked to Kirsten White. Like, she's yeah, she's one sense. of us. It, it makes sense. And I remember being a little bit like, oh, what if it's too low YA? Like, we know he's going to this planet. He's going to meet these teenagers. Mm -hmm. Like, what if it's just, like, I was getting almost crash of fate, like, worry. Like, Uh, uh, is it going to be like this? And it wasn't at all. Like, I think this is one of the truest YAs we've had. Um, along really? with yeah, what? well, Lost Stars is still like the standard. Like that is the true YA. But I would say no. like this and Rebel Rising are like no right up there. Yes, like, this is you, a true you YA. You novel. don't consider it like low YA, like fourteen. Like you no. consider it like sixteen, seventeen. I I think this is a true YA novel, and the reason for that is because of the angst and the character development. Oh, God. Right? I know, right? <laughs> and it's connected to the higher public, which I wasn't expecting. Um, oh. The whole reason Obi-Wan goes to this particular planet is because he finds Orla and Comac's names carved into the temple wall under this planet. Oh, my God. Also, to, like, give some some information. So, you know, last time we were speculating about, like, the Jedi chefs and the cafeteria. So, like, they do have a cafeteria <laughs> because that's where this book opens up. And also the cafeteria used to be the library for the High Republic era. So there's these, like, what? constellations and planets carved onto the wall and Orla and Konak. Is there a reason why it's changed? Like, is there a reason why it's not this? the library got moved? I think that we're headed to see some, like, big shakeups in the Jedi Order with the higher public. Um, and a big reason for that is because, like, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't know who Orla is, and so he researches her, and when he finds out she's a wayseeker, he's shocked because they don't have that anymore. They don't do that. That is, like, not a thing. So this book is actually adjacent to the High Republic. Like, this is part of, like, must-read for High Republic, you think? No, I I would think that like if you're not reading the High Republic and then you read this, like it's gonna get you excited and be like, "Ooh, who is Orla? I want to read about that too," which would lead you to Into the Dark because that's what Orla's in. So I think that's good. Mm-hmm. I think this is just kind of like, "Ooh, I know what this thing is" because I I like High Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, but Obi Wan does reflect when he finds out like what exactly a Wayseeker is that maybe if they still had that his relationship with Qui-Gon wouldn't be as strained as it is at the opening of this book. Because he's terrified that Qui-Gon's going to leave him behind and leave the Order at the beginning of this book. So, wait, he thinks that Qui-Gon would have been a way seeker had those existed? Yes. (sighs) That's big, right? Like, that's huge. That is huge. And, like... There's some other things in this. There's a character in this that I wasn't expecting, like a character introduction. I won't spoil that one because it's kind of fun. Um, Orla does say that this planet that he goes to is a Force Nexus planet. 
And it's like out in the middle of nowhere. And we were talking about how like Lego is setting up Ray to like be going on these missions. And I'm like, it could happen. The world Lego between worlds. Lego is a Raylo. Lego is a Raylo. Like, listen, between like this and like stuff that we learned like in Into the Dark with Orla, like Force Nexus things are like it, it is a thing, and like a door to the world between worlds. I do not think is out of the question. I <laughs> like wow. Um, there was a line that I liked because I I couldn't. This was in reference to, like, something that's happening on the planet. Like, not necessarily, like, a person in particular. Um, But it says, Some things can be pushed so far to fear and darkness that it takes tremendous sacrifice to bring them back. Wow. Yeah. Kirsten White really did that. She really did that. I, if I was Lucasfilm, I would give her a Ben Solo novel. (laughs) I hope that she's getting, like, an Obi-Wan trilogy set in this time period. Like, I want more. Oh, like, you think making a a trilogy like um, E.K. Johnson's Patty I I would love that. Like, especially because, okay, so, like, listen, I know we want Claudia to write Obi-Teen. However, I would entrust Kirsten White with writing Obi-Teen. You would? I would. Okay. You know what would be interesting? So, like, you know how, like, Queen Shadow, Queen's Peril, Queen's Hope, like, they have different titles that reflect on the the point of life they're in. So, like, I imagine if this was a trilogy, it would be, like, Padawan. Knight. Knight. Master. Master. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to see it. Like, yeah, I don't know about the master one because like that was brotherhood with him like kind of being, but like I would love to see it. I think you could easily like slot this in with like master and apprentice, and like yeah. that or, whole era. Like, or it's a duology. Then if you don't want to like step on the shoes of brotherhood, then you make this a duology, which I'm here for. Like I, I yeah. think she has it in her. I think it would be amazing. Um, there's been all this talk about Obi-Wan being bisexual, like, confirmed in this book. And personally, like, I read it, we talked about this as kind of like a, like a demisexual, but Mm -hmm. he definitely, like, doesn't care if you're male or female. Like, Mm -hmm. he just expresses, like, the kind of person he would look for. However, like, he can't have attachments, so, like, that feels really weird to him. And we're only, like, we're a few years away from... When Satine? he would meet Satine. Yes. Like, we're not that okay. far out. That's why I'm like, if it was a trilogy or, like you said, like a duology, like, that would be covered. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, like, the Knights would be the Obatine book. <sighs> the Obatine book being like, called Knight, though? Sh- like, stop. Shannon, like, <laughs> should we, like, send an email to Kirsten White? Like, I need this to happen. I need this to happen. Hey, bestie, can you make this happen? And, like, just the way that she writes Obi-Wan, like, with the the parallels to Orla, like, if she wrote a Ben Solo book and, like, had those parallels to Obi-Wan and, like, these other things, like, ugh, it's, like, poetry, it rhymes, like, I'm begging for it. I'm on my knees like, begging Lucasfilm for it. Kirsten, like, what's the next con you're going to? Because maybe we should just show up. We should just show up and be like, hey, girl, hey. (laughs) I don't even know, like, what she would be promoting next. Because all of her books for right now are out. I don't know what she's writing next. Oh, no. Yeah. But, like, if anybody's been on the fence about reading Padawan, like, highly recommend you do so. I think it works really well with brotherhood it works really well with master and apprentice it works really well with the obi-wan kenobi show like and like the obi-wan kenobi show worked so well going back and rewatching the original trilogy like i love when star wars is firing up its synergy machine person white should be the one to activate the synergy machine (laughs) (laughs) but other than that we did have another recommendation that is not star wars related alex has finished the show i have four episodes left you want to tell us about Never Have I Ever? Yeah, Never Have I Ever season three dropped on Friday. I you watched I, the whole thing. I watched it on Friday. I finished it, and it wasn't even that late. It wasn't even that late when I finished it. 
You know, it still has a few wake, uh, waking hours left in the day. Um, and this is the way it goes every season of the show. I I can't help but binge it. Um, and the show tends to make me nervous in a way that no other show does, but I can't look away. This season wasn't as bad in season two as, as season two in respect to that, though. Like, season two, like, had me, like, hate watching it, even though, like, I love the show. I have nothing bad to say about the show. But I was, like, hate watching season two because I was so uncomfortable and, like, so nervous about all of Davy's decisions. But anyways, season three was amazing. I liked it better than season two. I think that the character development in this season was beyond what I could have expected. Um, our three main characters in Love Triangle, they each grow so much without the other characters within the Love Triangle. Like, they grow independently from that. And I am so glad to see that because I think that this show could have easily fallen into uh, repetitiveness with the Love Triangle. And I didn't feel like this season was like that at all. I agree. Like, because I'm, I've watched six episodes out of ten, so I'm, I'm getting there. And like, I agree. Like, this season could have very easily been, like, Davy and Paxton are together, and then like she cheats on him with Ben again, or like something like that. Like, it Mm -hmm. very easily could have happened. And I love how like these main three are just getting so much time, and there's so much more complex like they very easily could have like had them just be stereotypes like Paxton could have just been like this dumb pretty boy but he Mm -hmm. is like one of the most complex characters and none of the characters give him enough credit like the day when all the other characters realize that he is like really sensitive and like is a lot more like a lot smarter than they give him credit for it like I'm so excited to see that and he's really and I would say he's very emotionally intelligent. Yes. Like, I, I said that before we started recording, because, like, you wouldn't think it because, like, Davy is, like, Mr. or, like, Miss Smart, like, whatever. Like, she gets all these good grades, but, like, mm-hmm. she is not mature enough for Paxton. Yeah. She is not emotionally intelligent, but he is. And that, and he recognizes that very quickly. Like, he, like, we love Paxton. He is the standard for all men, it would seem. Like, (laughs) I I just, you know? But, like, yeah, Davy is, like, one of the messiest main characters we've ever seen. And every season, she's allowed to be messy. And it's so stressful. Mm -hmm. Like, you see her make these decisions and you're like, honey, stop. But, like... And I also have to say, I think Ben learns how to be a better friend and I think that's his projection like this season and it's like it's so great to see that because at the beginning of season three I hated Ben oh yeah and, he's like, so obnoxious and I was listen I was a Ben stan because like I I mean you know me I love enemies lovers <laughs> but at the beginning of the season I hated him I thought that he was treating everyone so horribly like worse than he's ever treated anyone so it, it was really nice to see his trajectory through the season and see him becoming a better friend. Well, it's like, you know, because it was revealed, because he's like the bully, and then we find out, like, oh, he does kind of have this bad home life, like, oh, he is kind of tragic, like, oh, he really does like Davy. And it was yeah. kind of interesting, because, like, in this season, I love that they highlighted that, like, that's not enough. Like, we have sympathy for you, but you also have to, mm-hmm. like, better yourself. It's, like, you can't use it as, as an excuse right? of being a bad person. Like, he was such a bad person at the beginning of season three. Like, yeah. no spoilers, but he was just treating certain characters really awfully. But, yeah, so, like, I'm really happy with all three of their trajectories. Like, by the end of the season, I was happy with all three of them, like, where they ended up. Yeah, I, like, listen, Netflix, it is on site. However, sometimes you do things correctly, and, like, that is never have I ever. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think I heard that they had already filmed season four. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. 
I think. And, like, I get the feeling that season four could be the last because I think that it would make sense for them to conclude the season when they're done high school. Which I would like. I I like when series, like, come to, like, a natural stop. You know, like, they don't overstay their welcome. And Mm -hmm. with this being, like, helmed by, like, Mindy Keeling, like, I feel like she's very aware like you can tell how much she cares for these characters so mm-hmm. i couldn't imagine her like just stringing things out because people like yeah. the show well she also has you know the sex lives of college girls going on on hbo max and well, that one is set but, but is it <laughs> well they're filming season two right now but we are unaware what the status of that is if it is going to continue and will still air or not mm-hmm. that is to remain to be seen but they are filming right now right so i think that um ending you know never have i ever before college makes sense because you know all of those great ideas those writing ideas that she can put into a college show she's gonna put into this HBO Max show. And I also think that, like, the whole concept of Never Have I Ever is about these teens having first experiences for the first time. Mm. And you start to get fewer of those as they get older, right? Right. And, like, they obvi- they very easily could, like, change some of the concept for a college show. But, like, I, I would rather see, like, a good, fulfilling ending. Mm-hmm. Than, like, like as much as I love these characters, and, like, I'd love to go to college with them, but I, I would like to see Davy grow to a point where, like, she's accepting herself, like, she loves herself, yeah. and same with all of the other characters. And the other thing is, I could totally see Mindy bringing these actors back and doing something else, because she tends, I, I notice she tends to bring in some of the same actors into her different projects, so this is definitely a possibility that... We'll see these actors again somewhere else. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Like, she's not going to waste Paxton's abs like that, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think with that, we are ready to talk about Return of the Jedi. So obviously, like, this one has some nostalgia for you growing up with the films. Yeah. I grew up loving this one, I I probably watched this one the most out of the original trilogy um, as a kid. Like, obviously, the walks are super fun. <laughs> it was really fun to watch this after watching the Ewok movies. Like, because that movie, those movies are just so silly. They just exist, like, in this weird little pocket of canon. The Ewok movies are also very dark. They are so- <laughs> you're, you're calling them silly, but, you know, like, kids are orphaned. I was, so, like, I was trying to explain them to one of my work friends, and I'm like, you don't understand, the whole first movie is dedicated to getting the parents back, and then the second movie, within the first ten minutes, everybody dies. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> So, like, yes, um, but also the big Ewok does have nipples, so, you know, like, still silly. But, like, I think that contributed to, like, me also, like, having a better time, like, with this movie. Because, like, it is just, it's fun and it's campy and, like, the ending is so, like, nice and they put a bow on it. Like, my only struggle with this movie and continues to be the struggle is that it is just very action heavy. (laughs) There's so much action, which I tend to, like, kind of tune out a little bit of. Um, But that's okay, because I'm teaching myself how to knit. So, um, (laughs) but you did bring up, um, as we were watching this, like, there are still quiet moments, like, where the thing, things stop, and, like, we're talking. And mostly that is, like, the stuff with Luke and Vader in the throne room. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned... And Yoda, yes. um, And you mentioned, like, in Tross... There wouldn't have been time for those things because we're just go, go, no. going. I, I find that, like, Return of the Jedi really breathes. It like, does. Like, there are just, like, moments that let you as a viewer breathe for a second. Like, you're saying that there's a lot of action, but there's also a lot of quiet moments that break up all that action. And that does not exist in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's just, like, go, go, go. Um, very cheap character moments, and where I felt Return of the Jedi has these really powerful character moments um, with Yoda, with Vader, with Luke and Leia together, and then also Leia and Han. Like there are such deep, meaningful like connections between these characters. 
I agree. And, like, you can really feel, like, um, the trio energy. Um, But just, you know, (laughs) like, we do know that, like, they've had more time. Like, these characters did have, like, a bigger time jump between movies. However, like, they do feel, like, friends. They feel like they have a connection. I was really aware of the fact that, like, you know, Han's been frozen for this time. And I think it's it's been, like, a couple of years, I think, um, between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I did not look this up. I am a terrible podcaster. I am not professional. However, I'm pretty sure there was, like, a little bit of a, a time skip. So, like, Han is missed a little bit. So his jealousy when he sees Leia and Luke is because he's aware of this. Like, they could have grown closer while he was trapped in Carbonite. And, like, he knows this. So he's like, hold on. Like, what's happening? Am I misreading the situation? And I loved seeing that, especially, like, after Solo. It felt very, like, I I feel like Alden nailed that aspect of Han. Like, that kind of boyish, Mm -hmm. like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. So upon Googling it, it's a year. It's a year. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. but But that's a lot of time. That is a lot of time. That's a lot of time that Luke and Leia have gotten to know each other that Han has missed out on. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, like, can you, like, imagine, it. like, you're, you know, like, the girl that you like that you're, you would have thought that you would have just started a relationship with has been out in the world for a whole year and you've been, like, in a coma, basically. Mm-hmm. So wondering, you know, what what's her dynamic with these other guys? Like, did I just come out of this coma and I'm going to have, like, you know, she's going to be with someone else? Well, and, like he handles it so well too like he's mm-hmm. jealous but he flat out tells Leia not like, like Davy. no not like Davy. no 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 no. but like he, he flat out tells Leia like if that's what you want I'm not gonna stand in your way and that is yeah. so big of him like mm-hmm. we talked Davey a little bit Davy would never yeah. um we talked a little bit about how like just this maturity with Han like a little bit more in touch with the feminine than I would say Luke is and like that's really big of him to just be like, if this is what you want, I'm, I'm not going to stand in your way. Like, I, I will let you go. Like, it would pain him. But the fact that he's willing to do that, I was like, wow. Like, I really liked that, hon. That was really great. And like I said, like, I feel like <laughs> Alden really nailed that when he did Solo. Yeah. I love Han. I know. What a great character. What a great character that has seen, like, you know... Two different actors have played him in live action, and they broke bo- both brought like really interesting things to the character that feed off of each other. So great! I feel like every time I, I rewatch the prequels, I like Han more and more and more. And it's you mean funny the originals, yeah the the originals. Yes, yes, yes. Because um, he's not in the prequels; he was the baby. Because <laughs> um, when I first watched these movies. I remember, and, like, keep in mind, like, I I watched the sequels, and then I watched, like, everything. Like, my dad had me watch at least A New Hope, and then we watched, you know, The a Force Awakens, and then went back and watched everything else. So I was seeing everything through the gaze of, like, Ben Solo's parents abandoned him. So I had this, like, big chip on my shoulder, especially when it came to Han. And the more I watch it, the more information I get, like every time I just realize like what a good character he is and there's so much to him and that's one of the most rewarding things about Star Wars when you can keep watching and like get more information your opinions evolve your opinions change Mm -hmm. and I think that he's been very um, constant and I think that Han is a character canonically feels very real and maybe that's because his character dies before the rise of Skywalker, so they couldn't have messed up his character. <laughs> that's why he requested the maybe death. Maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe you know, you know, he 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 was a he he died, and you know, he in my mind at least has been respected as a character through all the timeline well i I think you could argue because like when harrison ford came back like he he's like i i want to die like i yeah i want to be done like i i want you to just like put a pin in it let me die and they did and i would argue that 
you know, I think Carrie Fisher would absolutely hate The Rise of Skywalker. I don't think she would like what was done with Leia, in my opinion, just from what I know about her, Um, Mm -hmm. especially with how closely she worked on The Last Jedi. Um, I I don't think she would have liked that. Like, I, I wish Leia could have had the same treatment, even if they killed her off screen, like, just to respect her performance yeah. and like well, let it go that's the thing I, like with the tri- the original trio it's almost like han is really the only one that i feel feels authentic all the way through the timeline mm-hmm. because again like i don't completely agree with what they did with luke in the rise of skywalker mm-hmm. um it like it's not horrible it just kind of feels like a caricature of luke you know? Yeah, exactly. And, like, I, I would argue, like, when we talked about, like, we consider, like, The Last Jedi being the ending, um, it, when you look at it to that point, like, it does feel like a more genuine transition. And then, like, it gets a little bit muddy with Luke because of the stuff that's happening in Mandalorian. Um, yeah. But, like, until that point, I feel like Luke's arc and Leia's arc feels very solid you can follow it really well Mm -hmm. and then there's just weird things that are introduced later at the last minute and i'm like i'm not sure how i feel about that yeah especially because and like we're kind of jumping all over the place but i i said to you in this um with anakin's redemption like our original throne room you know like when they're talking to palpatine and like they're trying to get luke to turn and Luke's constantly telling Vader, like, I know it's not going to happen because you would have already killed me. Like, I know this, that, and the other thing. Um, Seeing, like, knowing Anakin and seeing Anakin go through all of this with Luke and knowing what Anakin's life has been like under Palpatine's rule, like, within the comics and everything, I find it so hard to believe that he wouldn't appear to Ben. He wouldn't help Ben. He wouldn't try to like he he just wouldn't let what happens in episode nine or even in the you know like further on like he wouldn't let that stand and then knowing that leia turned out to like she had some jedi training and i think they pulled some kind of weirdness about like her dying or something and that's why she didn't continue i can't remember it's been that movie's a fever dream um but since (laughs) she had a little bit of this training it's so weird to me that she would send her son to Luke, especially knowing that, like, she didn't forgive Anakin, but Luke did, and there was some weirdness there, and then it turned out that she herself had training. I just constantly am confused by the fact that, like, she would send her son to Luke, and then she would, like, obviously she's not okay with what happened, but I, I... it just it's weird to me. It doesn't fit. Yeah, it almost it almost feels like a da- last ditch effort when they've you know exhausted every other option with Ben. Yes. Like maybe she just felt like I've tried everything else. Like nothing's working. Which, this is my last option. Which I agree with, and I think like that's the take that is canon to me. I just wish that in episode nine we could have seen that. Like, we mm-hmm. could have seen Leia's love for her son. Because instead it turned into, like, her love and acceptance of Ray, And that just... It's odd. It's a weird choice. Yeah. For, you know, for them to call themselves, like, you know, the Skywalker saga. I just wish that, you know, like, the Skywalkers as a family got the closure that they needed. Because they truly don't. And, like, we talked about it. Like, the the ending of this movie is so good. Like, they mm-hmm. won. They're happy. We saw that redemption with Anakin, which is beautiful. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. But, like, Leia doesn't really have that closure. Like, no. we see it a little bit later, like, with Bloodline and everything. But, like, we there's still obviously not as not closure because we have the sequels. And then we still yeah. don't end with that closure. I wouldn't even say that Bloodline, like, doesn't give her any closure in it yet. It, it kind of, like, opens up the wound even more because everyone, yeah. the public, finds out that she's related to Vader. 
And I still stand by, I think that that's when Ben also found out. Like, I don't think Ben was ever told that Vader was his grandfather. And I think that further drove him to the dark side. Like, you guys saw this darkness in me. You didn't warn me. You didn't tell Mm -hmm. me. Like, I I think that just all lends to, like, it should have been her son that she was accepting and not the Palpatine and Rey. (laughs) You know? Bloodline is such a great book. I still am of the mindset that Ben's the one who saved his mom. The napkin bombing. I, you know, such a good book. It's so good. Let's talk about this throne room. It's so good. Like, and Ryan Johnson pulled so many beats from it to get the infamous Raylo throne room. And I just like, that's some good Star Wars. It's like poetry rhymes. I... (laughs) listen papa palpatine walking around with his t-rex hands is so good (laughs) alex informed me that um ian was like 30 when he filmed this movie and that just does not compute he was like in his late 30s when he filmed return the jedi that does not weird right like you said to me you're like no ian has always been an old man He's always been an old. Well, like, the reason for that is because then we go back and have the prequels and, like, he is old because he's Palpatine. Yeah. And, like, he's so, like, just aging. You do know, like, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. And You're then right. The Phantom Menace was in 99. Like, that's, that's 16 years. Like, it's a lot of time, yet it's not a lot of time. Like, it's only in the next decade they make the next one. He came out the womb... An old man. <laughs> like, it just, it's, I, I don't know yeah. what, like, maybe that just speaks to, like, how well they use his character in the prequels and, like, how good mm-hmm. the makeup is. Because, like, to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, Palpatine is introduced in The Phantom Menace and he's an old man. So he's an old man in <laughs> The Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously. So it's just funny. Like, I... I love Look, he's Palpatine. like Mother Gothel, though. He is like Mother Gothel, like, you know. Um, I love, like you said, like, they really let you breathe in those scenes with Luke, like, making his decisions. I, the Luke that we see at Jabba's palace is not the same Luke who redeems Vader to me. Because, like, he's so, like, stoic, I'm a Jedi. And then I think he slowly yeah. realizes, like... That he needs to rely on the fact that, like, he cares so much about his friends and his family. And that's what helps him in the end. You know, like, embracing feeling. Embracing his emotions. Because shoving down the emotions has never done the Jedi any good. And it's funny because Obi-Wan actually tells him in this movie to, like, suppress his feelings. (laughs) Which is funny, because, like, in Padawan, like, there's this big moment where, like, Obi-Wan realizes that, like, he cares, and, like, that's a big deal for him, which the same thing happens with Anakin when he realizes, like, he cares. So, like, I still kind of go back to, like, I I think Obi-Wan has just been through so much with Anakin, and especially after their last showdown where it's, like, my friend is truly dead, I, I do think that he can't afford to hope for Anakin anymore like even though like he's already dead like I think there's something to that so he tells Luke you know to bury it like you need to be this good Jedi which is unfortunate like I wish he and Yoda had reflected a little bit more but after Mm -hmm. seeing what he's gone through with Anakin like I do understand it it's interesting though that like you know these younger characters like consider Obi-Wan their only hope and Obi-Wan has lost hope Mm -hmm. you know and that's why you know we get to episode four which they eventually call a new hope and it's like well yeah you know like our our last hope which was Obi-Wan he's you know we can't rely on him anymore we need like someone new someone young that isn't, like, burdened by all of the history that has gone down. <laughs> yeah, like, it, and I think Ryan Johnson touched on that with The Last Jedi, because they wanted Luke to be their hope, like, he was their only hope, and he, like Obi-Wan, had lost all of his hope, because he failed, yeah. just like Obi-Wan did. He, he failed, and so that leaves Ray. And it makes so much sense for, like, you know... For 
Luke eventually to go through the same cycle as Obi-Wan. It it really um, does. Like, just seeing... I yeah. think he got cocky um, after everything. And we see that in The Mandalorian. Like, I, I think he, he gets a little bit cocky with his power. I think through the things that he learns and the fact that he nobody's there to really guide him. Um, and that just leads to the downfall of his nephew. And, like... You can tell that hit him so hard. Like, his mm-hmm. he not only failed Ben, he failed Leia, he failed Han. And to see that cycle with him in The yeah. Last Jedi, like, it, it was so well done. It, it completely mirrors Kenobi. Because, it does. You know, Obi-Wan was so burdened by, you know, failing with Anakin that he just blocked himself off from everything. And then Luke just does the same thing. Like, the cycle continues. No one's learning anything. I feel like... What's going to happen next? <laughs> I, I feel like there the key difference between, like, Luke in The Last Jedi and Obi-Wan is that... Ray does give Luke hope in Ben. And that's why he goes and confronts him. And, like, and obviously he's not Obi-Wan there, so he can't actually kill him. Exactly. I, I think mm-hmm. in the end, Luke did have hope for Ben. And, like, he knew, in my opinion, that Ray was going to bring Ben back. Luke finally, like, saw, like, this hope that, like, his failure wasn't going to be like the end all be all and i think that is like the key difference there because obi-wan never got to do that yeah wonder if they'll do another trilogy <laughs> only if it's right bringing back ben solo <laughs> i know i just it's interesting you know because there was 16 years between ending the original trilogy and then making the prequels and then there was you know 10 years between ending the prequels and the sequel trilogy starting so you know like if we go by that if we go you know 10 years into the future then that is what 2029 (laughs) i i could see them doing it i i honestly could just because you know it's it's a it's a money-making machine, you know, like, that kind of thing. Um, to me, like, I feel like they need to learn from the mistakes that were done with the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, and, and not just The Rise of Skywalker, but the way the fan reception was handled after The Last Jedi. Like, all mm-hmm. of that. The way they treated their actors, the way they let their actors be treated, like... They need to learn from those mistakes if they're going to continue the story. To me, Mm -hmm. I kind of hope that, like, with the future of Star Wars, they pivot away from, like, this main timeline, like, the the Skywalker saga. I hope that they go, like, either into the future and it's completely new, nothing is related, or, like, they go into the past or they tell some kind of story on the side that's just... yeah. It's just not connected because until they can kind of figure out mm-hmm. what kind of story they want to tell, I think they need to just let it lie. Yeah, I definitely think that. It's interesting because recently Oscar Isaac said that he would come back. If the story and, was right. Yeah, and that's interesting to me because out of everyone, he felt like Oscar Isaac just like felt like so done with Star Wars during the press for the rise skywalker i mean he he loved he loved the last jedi like you could see Mm -hmm. like he loved the last jedi and it was such a difference with the rise of skywalker and i think all the actors were feeling that like even john boyega um who like they tried to like you know make him a jedi and give him all this stuff to do and like even john boyega was like this is you know like this is really hollow so like I think we've heard from several actors at this point saying that, like, it's not that they hate Star Wars. It's just that they hate how things were handled. And if the story was right, the people were right, you know, they were going to do things the right way. Like, a lot of the sequel Mm -hmm. trilogy would return. I wonder if, you know, like, a shakeup of, you know, senior management and senior positions 
at Lucasfilm would change things. Like, as as you know, like, as the people who've been there for so long are approaching retirement. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, like, a knock on all the work that they've done because, obviously, they've created a lot of amazing things within the Star Wars universe. But sometimes you just need a clear mind. Like, you just need, like, new people thinking about getting their hands and playing in the, in the sandbox. So I don't think that's me, like, dissing the current people because, obviously, they've made things that I've loved. I think we just need new ideas. Well, like, that's been the problem. Like, I think we've all yeah. seen that. Like, the, the problem with Star Wars has been this, like, clinging to the past. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that, like, the things that they've been making is bad. It just means that, like, they're missing out, you know? Like, I I teach 11th, like, I teach, like, 11-year-olds, right? And most of them, like, don't care about Star Wars. They don't like it they haven't seen it like or whatever Mm -hmm. mostly what they're familiar with is like mando the ones who have seen it like if they like the the sequel trilogy they like kylo ren and they're disappointed that he died or they like anakin or the originals like i i haven't Mm -hmm. met a kid yet who is like gung-ho about like the way the trilogy ended. Yeah. Like, I even showed, like, a picture from Rebels, and, like, the kids didn't even know what that is. So, like, I, I think they are missing out because they need some, like, fresh perspectives in there. And like you said, like, that's not saying that what they've been doing is bad because it's not. It's just saying that, like, they they could use a new perspective. Mm-hmm. I wonder how, like, Galaxy's Edge resonates with that crowd, with, like, oh, they love schoolers. it. They do love it. Like, Oh, so, like, they enjoy... It's kind of like when I go to, like, Avatar, Pandora, and Animal Kingdom. Like, I don't mm-hmm. really care about the franchise, but I think it's really... Like, the land is, like, awesome. Yeah, they think it's really cool. Like, they love the idea of building a lightsaber, um, all of that stuff. And, like, the kids who like Star Wars, like, are more into it than the ones who don't. But, like, it's still really cool to them. So I, I think that, like, there are things that are working and there are things that are not working, you know? Like, it's it's very interesting. Like, the the generation right now, like, with those kids, it's definitely Marvel. Like, it, it is 100% Marvel Makes for them. Makes sense. Mm. I mean, like, the thing with Marvel is that there's so many characters. There are so many main characters, like, specifically main characters that, like, everyone kind of finds someone to resonate with. Mm-hmm. And with, like, Star Wars, it's more like just the Skywalkers, which are, you know, like a family, like a white family. Um, and then most most of the people of color within Star Wars are, like, secondary characters, not necessarily, like, the main. Yeah. Well, and, like, I think you can even speak to, like, you know, we're talking about a shakeup, we're talking about, like, that more representation. Like, they are doing that with the higher public. And I think if they take any notes from the the High Republic, an acolyte, like, it's that, this fresh perspective, this, like, love for the story and want Mm -hmm. to transform it, it's adding that representation, it's really working. And, like, I will say, like, my my kids, um, even the ones who like Star Wars, have not read the High Republic, and a lot of them, it's because they don't know what it is, like, they haven't heard of it. Um, so it's it's like some, there's a disconnect there. And then like I had one and he, he wasn't sure like, cause they're 11. So he's like, well, like, are those like, you know, is is it too, like too much? Like, is it too hard to read? Are they boring? Like whatever. And like, I was telling him like, oh no, 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 no. Like you need to read, like I recommended him Test of Courage. Cause I'm like, my favorite character is Vanessa Rowe and she's in Test of Courage. So like there is kind of, like, a disconnect a little bit, and I feel like if they just go even harder core with, like, promoting the heck out of Higher Public Mm -hmm. and, like, really letting that shine, that's the future. Well, what do they read? Do they read Percy Jackson? Like, what are they into when it comes to books? So they read Percy Jackson because um, they it's their curriculum includes Percy Jackson. Some no of them, way! I know, right? Isn't it cool? <laughs> um, they actually read the first book. They watch the movie. Um, they also, in social studies, learn about Greek gods. So okay. it ties That's in. That's pretty cool. I know, that right? That is cool. That's why we had a, a Greek Olympics at the end of the year. We're going to do mm-hmm. it as like a yearly thing now where we have like a Greek Olympics. So, like, Um, but what are they, like, the readers, like, the middle grade readers who read for fun, 
Like, what are they into? I see still a lot of warrior cats. Um, <laughs> I see School for Good and Evil, which is a really good one. Um, I see, like, uh, there's this one kid. I saw what he was reading. It's not, like... There's, like, this Merlin series. It's not that, but it's really similar. So, like, that Mm -hmm. same kind of, like, fantasy magic system type of thing. Um, That's mostly what I see with them. Like, I still see, like, a couple Diary of a Wimpy Kids, like, that kind of stuff. A handful read Harry Potter. They all know what it is. Like, I would say the kids, like, still really do like Harry Potter, but more like the movies. Like, I had a kid last year who had never read Harry Potter, and he read them all for the first time. Whoa. And I had, like, a rule in my classroom. I'm like, if you spoil these books for him, I will fail you. <laughs> like, I wouldn't really. But, like, I, these kids were, like, trying to spoil it for him because he'd never read it before. And it's just really fascinating. Like, I even saw mm-hmm. a girl reading they, Twilight. Like, like, do they get, like, these books from, like, do you guys do, like, scholastic book fairs still? Like, when I was in that age, we had, like, scholastic book fairs at school. I don't know if we still do because I started in January and like I feel like that's like a fall thing. Um oh, but they do yeah. like our librarian is awesome. Um she is really on top of like making the library like a really fun cool space. She's got like new books, she's got like old tried and true books. Like it's it's amazing and um our like grade is pretty chill with like letting kids go to the library, which is awesome. I will say we have a Star Wars display that she puts up, but it is lacking in High Republic. So maybe I need Ooh. to have a chat with her and be like, hey, listen. Yeah. There's an untapped market Yeah, maybe here. she doesn't know much. Maybe she doesn't know that much about the High Republic because that would be cool. Yeah. Like, I would be really cool. I, I, I definitely think, like, for these people who are making Star Wars, like, they need to look at these kids. Like, they need to look at, like, the sixth graders and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, what are they into? Like, what are they wanting to see? What are they resonating with? Because, like, they're the future. Like, they're the ones who will be buying things later on. Yeah, buying movie tickets, buying merch. Like, these kids are, you know, the people that you want to aim your stuff to. Yeah, and it's like, and obviously, like, I love when things cater to me specifically, but, like... (laughs) Unless it is... They need to grow their audience, though. Yeah, and it's like, and you know, I want to see Ray yeah. turn into Vader and save Ben Solo, and, like, of course, that's what I want, but, like, they also need to listen to these younger fans, because the ones who, like, were there with the original trilogy, not to say that, like, they shouldn't be catered to, but, like, they've been the sole people being catered to for a long time, And, you know, you and I watch these movies and we see all these things and we're like, man, wouldn't it be cool if they do this thing? And then Lucasfilm is just not listening to that to that side. And like and the risk is then, you know, completely losing interest in the franchise altogether because, you know, eventually that original trilogy audience isn't going to be around anymore. Mm -hmm. And then what? And then well, I know. Happens? And, like, that's why when I look at these kids and, like, very few of them like Star Wars, very few of them have seen Star Wars, it's, like, that reality is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not catching yeah. them. I, I wonder if Resistance had stayed on, if more of them would be into it. Like, nobody has ever mentioned Resistance to me, but, like, that was more, like, palatable, yeah. like, a good, like, entrance to Star Wars. Like... Mm-hmm. Or, like, I feel like Disney Plus should be doing a better job at, like, I don't know, maybe on a kid's profile it's different, but, you know, like, highlighting older stuff, like, showing Rebels up on the banner, and there might be interested in that just from seeing a banner of it. It was so wild to me when I showed a picture of Sabine and Ezra, and they were all like, is that a pink Mandalorian? They would love, like, Rebels is, like, the first thing I, I, you know tell someone to watch when they want they want to explore outside of just like the movies like rebels well, is so like much my easier go-to. to get like, into this is so good this yeah, is Clone Wars is like a, a learning curve whereas mm-hmm. rebels and like it, it's very yeah. small the other thing with clone wars is people will be like whoa seven seasons that's a commitment and then, and at least with rebels it's like well 
It's four seasons. It's four seasons. (laughs) There's less characters to keep up with. It's linear. Like, it's so much easier to digest, Mm -hmm. for sure. And I, I like, I wonder, like, from here with Return of the Jedi, because, like, obviously, like, Rebels, like, would have already happened. But, like, where would you, like, after Return of the Jedi, like, what do you feel, like, what direction do you feel pulled in to watch? Like, is it the sequel trilogy? Is it Mando? Is it Boba Fett? Like... You know, I thought about Boba Fett a lot watching this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. He's having a terrible day. Like, he is having the worst day. And, you know, I really felt pulled towards Boba Fett. Trying to think what else. Like, I mean, you mentioned Bloodline. I think Bloodline is a good thing to be pulled to after this also. Mm-hmm. There's also Last Shot. Yeah. Last Shot is a good one. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, we... I, we you mentioned this already because, like, Princess and the Scoundrel, too, mm-hmm. is that same time period. And um, Battle Battlefront um, Two, Inferno Squad, and mm-hmm. then and the video game. I will be honest; I don't feel very pulled to Mandalorian. Within this question, I'm like thinking about the things that I would want to go to right after this, and I think it would be Battlefront Two, you know, um, Last Shot, Boba Fett. But I don't like feel pulled to the Mandalorian and I don't feel pulled to the Force Awakens right now. I was gonna say that too as much as like it pains me to say because like I do love Force Awakens like I really do yeah but and I wonder if it's because of Tross or if it like I don't know it I also don't was a huge jump like it, it is, is a like huge a jump. huge time jump and yeah. I feel myself wanting to live within the Return of the Jedi timeline a little longer. I To me, I, I think it's like, I don't want to see, like, it, we know that, like, it, it highlights Luke's failure. Um, Han and Leia have split up. And, like, while yeah. I love that story, and, like, I, I love that story in the way that it's told, mm-hmm. like, it, I, I feel so good right now. Yeah, there, you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of unanswered. When you jump from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens, there's so many unanswered questions. And we do have a lot of answers to those questions within these supplemental materials. And mm-hmm. I see myself reaching for that stuff instead of jumping into this fresh new story that doesn't answer all your questions. Yes. I will say, like, I'm also not pulled towards Aftermath. And I think that's no, because... I have more Battlefront 2. Yeah, more Battlefront 2. I, I think, like, with Aftermath, it, it just really highlights the fact that, like, the war is not over. Whereas, like, Battlefront 2 also does, but, like, in a different way. Um, like, a different perspective. And then mm-hmm. same with, like, Alphabet Squadron. I don't feel pu- pulled towards that. Not so much. Although, it like, I have like, my own issues um, with that. <laughs> maybe, like, that's more about the closure of it all. Yes. Um, we're... I, I think that Battlefront actually gives you closure in, like, a positive way. Like, yes. it, like y- you end Battlefront and you're like, wow, we can all continue to be happy. Like, let's celebrate. And then if you read, you know, um, Alphabet Squadron or you read uh, the Aftermath books, you finish those feeling like, oh, no, like... This feels doomed. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Because, like, with Battlefront, it, you see the Empire side of things, and it still feels like a good resolution. Iden Versio's story is so good. And then, like, I would say same thing with Last Shot, because Last Shot and, Princess, like, Princess and Scoundrel, obviously we haven't read Princess and Scoundrel yet, but those to me, like, feel like epilogues. You know, happy. happy. I'm so excited for Princess and the Scoundrel. Yeah, so excited. Like I love where Han and Leia's relationship ends in this one. I think like we talked about how like Empire Strikes Back is like the romance movie, but like mm-hmm. with this movie, it's so interesting to see their relationship like evolve. Like it is really complex. Yeah, and like I have found myself like. I like when stories continue after the happily ever after and you see, like, not necessarily, like, like, a novella. 
Yeah, like a novella. <laughs> like a not necessarily novella. like, oh, everything's perfect and everything's fine, marriage is bliss or whatever. Just like seeing how they continue. Like mm-hmm. with For the Wolf, you know, that ends happy, blah, 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 blah. And then in the second one, you get to see married life with Red and Eamon. And that was really awesome. Like, I loved seeing that. And it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Like, they argue and all of that. But it's nice to see. And I would yeah. like to see more of that with Han and Leia. I, I'm so, like, you know, I'm so excited for this book. Mm-hmm. So excited to pick it up. I guess by the time this comes out, it will have already been released. Um, yes. We're two days away from the release right now. And we are going to take, like, a little break because um, my birthday is coming up. So we will definitely have both read. That'll give us enough time for both of us yeah. to definitely finish The Princess and the Scoundrel so we can talk about it fully. I'm just, I'm excited. I, I'm actually, like, I I wouldn't say that I am, like, original trilogy stan, but I really loved watching them. And honestly, I would say, like, Empire is still my favorite. But, like... I think I like Return of the Jedi more than A New Hope now. I do. That's I, a I big step for like me. That, that's a big step mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's, that's big. That's news. Read all about <laughs> it. Breaking news on Lipstick and Lightsaber. Shannon actually likes Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, it was so much fun to watch. Like, going back Jabba's and, like... Palace just fun. Oh, man. Especially after the Lego special, going to Jabba's <laughs> palace. Gamorian like, girls. Gamorian girls. I was dying. I kept listening to be like, man, did they get the riff for Gamorian girls from something that was in this? I couldn't tell, but like, <laughs> uh, but then also remembering that Max Rebo is canonically dead. <laughs> yeah, from the Boba Fett. The Boba Fett. <laughs> Like, what? Why? Why would you kill Max Rebo? <laughs> and for what? And for what? What was the reason? He was just living his keyboard life. Like, playing it with, <laughs> what is it, his toes? Is he playing with his toes? Yeah. Wow. He just has a butt and feet. And that's Max Rebo. Amazing. And a trunk, I guess. Wow. That's insane. Amazing. Beautiful. 10 out of 10. So to wrap things up, do you have anything to say about Return of the Jedi? How you feel about watching all three of these movies? I feel really happy. I think that this could have maybe been the first time watching the original trilogy since The Rise of Skywalker. I, for I me, yeah. Um. So I really enjoyed it. You know, like... I. I'm still kind of staying far away from the sequel trilogy, but I've been enjoying the prequels. I've been enjoying the original trilogy um, and being able to mentally separate it a little bit. I know we we talked about The Rise of Skywalker a lot, but, but it didn't I'm hurt. able to enjoy this separately. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this separately from it. And I am so excited for The Princess and the Scoundrel. We timed this out perfectly. Um... It worked so, so well. This, the universe aligned yeah. for us. And, you know, we were just in Galaxy's Edge in May. And this, like, I don't think they go to Batu, Or maybe they do. But they are on the Halcyon, which is an extension of Galaxy's Edge. Even though that we couldn't afford to go there. <laughs> but that's another story. Maybe they're going to drop the price. Yeah, uh, uh, buy know. us a coffee if you want to send lipstick and lightsabers to the Halcyon. <laughs> <laughs> Support the show, buy a t-shirt. Um, yeah, no, same. Like, I feel so happy right now, like, as a Star Wars fan, which is kind of like a novel concept ever since 2019. <laughs> so, like, I just feel really good about <laughs> well, Star Andor Wars. Andor is coming like, soon. Andor is coming soon. We got like a new little clip. Andor is going to be angsty. It's going to be angsty. angsty. The girl that like everybody thought was maybe Cassian's sister is actually like a love interest and they've been circling each other. Guys, the Jin and Cassian fans are mad. (laughs) Like, and listen, like, I get it. Like, I love the Jin and Cassian ship. However, 
But Cassian's allowed to have had more than one romance in his life. Absolutely. Especially knowing that, like, the last romance he had was with Jen. Like, she did teach him how to hope. Like, she really did. So, like, this I am excited. This show is going to be so angsty. You can't cast Diego Luna and not have him be involved with have somebody another, romantically. Yeah, exactly. That, what a waste exactly. of his sexual potential. <laughs> we love Diego Luna in this house. We do. Oh man, I was watching something that showed a picture of him in like Havana Nights. Like I feel like I need to, I need to <gasps> watch that. You sent it to me. I did send yeah. it to you tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Like I feel really good right now. Like I'm so excited for the Princess and Scoundrel. I think Cassian's gonna be really good. We're getting really close to the next phase of the High Republic, which is kicking off mm-hmm. with Convergence by Zerator Cordova. Like I'm. I feel good right now. This is a good time. I feel really good about Zareda writing adult. I I feel so confident about that. I feel so confident about that. I feel really confident about the YA novel because it's Justina and Tessa Gratton. Oh, yes. Yes. I feel good. What a good duo. Yeah. I think this is this is a good place to be. Maybe Star Wars is good. You know what? Lego (laughs) Star Wars is good. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.